welcome to the podcast series, Parenting Tips, brought to you by Cornell Cooperative Extension of Suffolk County's Community Education Program. We provide up-to-the-minute research-based information by bringing you ideas and information about food, nutrition, being physically active, and overall well-being, including tips for kids, families, and individuals of all ages. While we have tons of information on our website through our blog posts at ccesuffolk.org, click on the community education section, we want to make it easier to catch up on helpful and fun tips without having to sit in front of a screen. Our podcasts are perfect for listening to while out on a walk, on a break from work, or even if you're just in the car on the way to the store. Today, I am pleased to have Amy Bly from Community Education Nutrition Department, who is a nutritionist, who is going to have part two of our family mealtime discussion. Amy is here to provide nutritional information on the importance of family mealtime. If you haven't already, make sure you go back and you listen to part one, which discusses the emotional and mental health benefits of family mealtime. So tell me, Amy, what are some of the nutritional benefits of sitting down and having a family dinner together? Thanks, Kara. So there are a plethora of nutritional benefits among the mental health benefits that we spoke about last time. So some of the big ones that we're talking about in terms of nutrition when we're sitting down as a family to eat a meal are consuming more nutrient-dense foods. I'm sure some of you may have heard that before and you're like, what the heck does that mean, right? So I'm one of those people. I mean, anything that's nutrient dense may not sound that good at first glance. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so a nutrient dense food is something that has, in layman's terms, a lot of really good stuff in there. So we're gonna have a lot of good vitamins, a lot of good minerals, Uh, potentially a good source of fiber, a lean protein. These are all very positive items to consume. When I say lean protein, that may not sound familiar either. So a lean protein is something, let's say like chicken or fish or turkey versus a protein that has more fat. So in comparison, we would be talking about like beef or steak or bacon, those all have a lot more fat. So sitting down and having a meal that has been prepared at home typically has some of these more nutrient-dense foods. Items like fruits and vegetables, more whole grain foods. You may also be asking yourself, Amy, what's a whole grain food? So a whole grain food is something like a brown rice or a whole wheat pasta or a whole wheat tortilla versus the white enriched versions of those same foods. When kids sit down to a family meal with their adults, they tend to typically eat a bit healthier. Think about the types of meals that, you know, you have when you eat out at a restaurant. What are they usually full of? I think carbs and fats. I'm just thinking of the choices on a kid's menu. 
you don't see lean proteins and nutrient dense foods all the time, right? It's basically chicken fingers or mac and cheese. A lot of those things are not going to have a lot of vitamins and minerals. Also, when we're talking about nutrient dense foods, we're talking about foods that are going to keep you fuller longer. So I mentioned the word fiber. Mm -hmm. So fiber is we call it like a little vacuum cleaner for your for your tummy, right? So foods that are high in fiber, they're going to keep you fuller longer. And they also help regulate your digestion. That's a really important nutrient. And things that we typically see on fast food menus or restaurant menus usually don't have a ton of fiber in them. They're most likely going to have uh, additional fat. And also when you think about it, when you, you mentioned chicken fingers, when you go out to eat, do we know exactly what's in those foods? Yeah, I was just thinking that you don't know. I always think, oh gosh, what was this cooked in? Was it soaked in butter? Is there a reason why it's glistening with oil? <laughs> you don't know. So I guess that makes sense. If you're preparing it in your own kitchen, you know exactly what's going into the food. Yeah, you know exactly the ingredients that you chose to make that meal with. You know exactly how you made it. So you're talking about glistening with like fat or butter or oil. A lot of the times when we when we eat out or we pick up um, like a fast food meal, the the food is prepared in a fryer, right? So you can make those same sort of yummy comfort foods at home. Like let's take chicken fingers, for example. You can make something like that at home, but you can make it a little bit healthier by baking it instead of frying it in oil. So when you're cooking at home, you do have the option of taking a traditionally less healthy meal and and making it a little bit healthier. So I'm not saying we're never going to eat chicken fingers or never going to eat mac and cheese, right? But when we're making those items at home, you have the chance to add more nutrients, right? So like if you're making mac and cheese at home, maybe throw some broccoli in there. You're going to add a vegetable. That's what I was thinking because I know that, you know, kids aren't always going to want to eat you know, healthy options at home. So if you can take those same ideas that you get on a kid's menu and replicate them with healthy ingredients, that sounds like a really good plan. And mm -hmm. I'm sure it probably tastes better, right? I would venture to say that home-cooked meals typically do taste better than meals that are eaten away from home. Some people also don't really like to cook. But that's okay. It doesn't need to be hard. We don't need to have a gourmet meal put on the table. And another thing that we can do with our children in the kitchen is get them involved. So you can get them involved. You can maybe pick a day of the week where your child chooses what's on the dinner menu. And you can start teaching them how to cook. Those are basic life skills. You can get them doing little tasks based on their age. So if you have an older child who you know, can, can stir or saute with you. That's wonderful. If your child is, is younger, you can do much more simple tasks in the kitchen, but these are really good role modeling activities. And you always want to have choices for your children. Okay. Can so you tell like, me about like, yeah, what would that look like? So let's say, you know, we're thinking about something for dinner. When we think about how our plate should look for dinner, the example of the USDA's My Plate 
is a really good visual. So the MyPlate has five sections on it and they're broken up into the five food groups. Okay. So we have fruits, vegetables, greens, proteins, and dairy foods. And the visual of the MyPlate has the vegetables as the very biggest section and the veggies are the biggest section because we wanna consume more vegetables than any of the other five food groups. Which I know this is a hard thing to accomplish. I totally understand that. But going back to giving your children choices. So we know we need to eat more vegetables, right? So let's give the kids the choice. Okay, tonight, do you want broccoli or do you want cooked carrots, right? So you're giving them a choice, you're getting them involved, but both of the choices that you're offering are healthy choices, right? So it doesn't matter what ends up on the plate because they're both vegetables. I love that. It reminds me of a lot of our parenting tips where kids don't want to wear shoes or don't want to <laughs> wear a jacket. So we always say, okay, you've got to wear those things, but if you have a choice, I think it's important whether what they're wearing, what they're eating, that kids have a sense of control. So this sounds like it goes right along with some of the ideas we always talk about. So, okay, so we've covered the fact that definitely meals are more nutritious when they're home. And you've kind of talked about what a, what a healthy plate looks like and kind of help modify it so it meets your children's needs. Are there any other, oh, and also most importantly, getting your kids involved in the kitchen. I love that idea because I've seen when kids are involved in meal prep, they're more motivated to eat it. So are there any other tips? Uh, you know, a lot of the nutrition is tied to the mental health, emotional health, but if there are any other tips, you know, I think our listeners would love to hear because I think as parents, we just, this is, you know, dinner time comes and, and sometimes it just is, can be such a struggle. I can relate to that in my own personal life. <laughs> I get the question all the time now. Mom, what's for dinner? At it's, seven o'clock in the morning? Yeah. It's yeah, always sometimes like, I wake up and I think about that first thing. <laughs> so It's stressful. <laughs> I, I would definitely concur on that, Tara. One thing I would say is um, healthy meal planning or having things prepped ahead of time. Making a grocery list making a menu for the week. And these are all things that you can involve your children in. So I mentioned letting them pick what's for dinner maybe once a week, get them involved, ask them what are the kinds of dinners you would like to have. So it's not just the, the pressure is not just on you. And if they're more involved in choosing the foods, hopefully they will eat more of them, right? But we're, we're, we're keeping the, the idea of making a balanced meal in the back of our head. So even if we are letting the children choose, we want to have healthy choices there. Right. No child is going to go offer, choose carrots over at Hershey bar, right? Right. So we, Sometimes, you, know, but. you have to steer them sort of in the right direction. Right. And when you're thinking of grocery shopping as well that's that's a teachable moment also for your children take them to the grocery store with you let them choose some of the items but again like structure it say we want to pick three new vegetables that we're going to have for dinner this week so like let's take a look in the produce aisle and see what we can come up with you can also um, teach them a little bit about budgeting for food 
and if they're a little bit older and they can you know figure out the pricing and they can look at the tags on the grocery shelves say we have this amount of money for some new dinner ideas this week let's stick with choosing a whole grain and we can talk about how you find a whole grain they have those cute little whole grain stickers those are things that are easy for kids to find. You can send them on a scavenger hunt in the grocery store. Let's find a new grain to eat this week, you guys. Have them look at that. Look at nutrition labels while you're in the store. Some of your family members may have health concerns like diabetes or high blood pressure. You can start showing kids a nutrition label the second they can read, right? Hmm. And so they can yeah. find things that are lower in sugar or lower in salt or have a lot of those good nutrients in there. Like go find me a grain that has X amount of fiber or find me a good source of protein, a lean protein, something that doesn't have a lot of fat. So you can almost make it like a game in the grocery store. I love it. I love those ideas. Those are real practical ideas. And I guess for many of us, we might not have been doing that since they were little. Of course, it's better if you have, but certainly would you say that all hope is not lost if we try to do that with our 13 year olds too? I wouldn't say so. And and the thing is like, once you can kind of pique their interest, I would say the biggest thing even with an older child is really letting them in the kitchen with you. Um, yeah. It's, it's getting them involved. There has been research that has been done that does say children are, are more apt to try foods that they actually had a hand in making, even if it is an older child. So I would just get them as involved as possible. Now, on the same note, do I want my six-year-old cooking with me every night? To be honest, not really, because it's a lot more work, but it benefits them and it's relationship building on your part and it's teaching them how to choose healthy foods what a healthy meal actually looks like right so these are also life skills because nutrition is a huge part of growing up to be healthy and strong and an independent individual i'm not saying every night put my plug in there for a once a week sort of let them <laughs> pick dinner and, and get in the kitchen with you. But sometimes they actually are a big help. That is true, especially if they get excited about something. Wow, Amy, this is just a plethora of information that I feel like thinking about all these nutritional benefits with all the emotional and mental health benefits is just, it seems like it's such an easy, well, it's a, a, a attainable goal to sit down and have meals together because everyone is going to benefit from it. I think, I think we're pretty much out of time and I just want to thank you so much. And I think together we've really covered so much important information. So please again, go back and listen to podcast number one on this topic. Listen to this one again, because I'm sure you'll get some more tips listening the second time around. And just want to thank you, Amy, for sharing your nutritional wisdom with us today. So on behalf of Cornell Cooperative Extension Community Education, thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks, everyone.